Um, if he's not up here on a sax, if he's not up here with a certain guitar, if he's not up here singing, if he's not up here. And it's just so amazing. And I've known him for, for many years. One of the people in this room that know me most is probably him. Um, things that uh, other people might not even know. He's it's just someone that I could say, hey, this is my heart. And, and it really is an honor just to sit here and just hear him also give the word. And um, as I could receive it, known him for years, know his testimony, know his walk with the Lord. I know he loves God. I know he loves his wife. And I know he loves his, his daughter. And um, it's, it's a great testimony just to have him up here and sharing. I remember when he first came to the Lord and the craziness of his character. And um, I just love to see him serve the Lord uh, because um, it's just... It's just contagious when you see him. If you're around him, you know what I'm talking about. So let's give a hand. Let's welcome as our brother Tito. Amen. Comes and gives the word today. Amen. Uh, so uh, first thing I want you guys to do is to turn to Matthew 26. We're going to spend um, pretty much most of our time in that chapter. Matthew 26 and the verse starts in 36. Let's stand right before we even begin. <laughs> As you guys turn to that. As I turn to that. Matthew 26, 36, and it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. Let's pray. Father, I just pray right now that you fill me, Lord, that you fill this place, that you speak to each and every one in here, Father, in a special and particular way. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you when, that when we come together, you're always faithful, you're always here. And Lord, now I just ask that we surrender right now. We surrender our thoughts. We surrender our intentions. Lord, we surrender every part of us today, Lord, that as we're here, that we can just listen and receive the word that you have for us today, the word that you've prepared. Because this is not about us, Lord. We don't come here for us to be glorified or us to be in the limelight, Lord. We come here because we want to worship you and we want you to be glorified. We pray this all in your holy and precious name. Amen. You guys may be seated. So this first verse, uh, this whole message when I started it out, it actually, it, the, the way the message came, I was actually born from the actual process of me preparing this message. The first thing I thought about when I was preparing this message and when God actually started giving me this word is, I don't have, are there any Karate Kid fans in here? All right. All right. Karate Kid 2? No, nah, not that great. Karate Kid was, to me, Karate Kid 2 was better than part one. Because when he goes to China and then, you know, he's out of his element and then he has, he meets a girl. He's always meeting a girl. And uh, finally, you know, there's another jealous boyfriend and then, of course, you guys know the final battle, right, where he was taught all these things by Mr. Miyagi, pardon my karate, it's not good. And um, at the end scene, he's, uh, he's fighting this guy, and he's, he's, he starts beating him, you know. Um, it's, you know, to the death, they said, to the death. They have to fight, and, and they take out this, this uh, bridge that was in between them and the people. So they're fighting to the death for honor. And then at the end, that last part, you know, Daniel's son, he's got him in the, in the floor, and he's just, he's got him beat. And he asks the guy, live or die, man, live or die, right? And he's like, and then the, the, the Asian dude, he goes, 
death or die. And then he goes, what did he say? Anybody? Wrong. And then he does that weird thing, like, but with the nose. And you're like, what? That was weird, man. What is that? He didn't finish. He, he didn't finish the fight. What he did is he grabbed his nose and he just yanked it. And said, like, no, wrong. The, what he was trying to say there is the right move at that moment was not to move. See, living in honor or, or portraying this, this life of power, of honor, or of, of, of victory was that at that moment that he could have shut him up. That he could have said, that's it, I'm finishing this. Because you were wrong. At that moment, he stopped and he didn't move. He didn't finish what he was supposed to finish, what we think he was supposed to finish. You guys watch UFC, you know what I'm talking about. If anybody watches UFC here, you do that and you're, you're disqualified. You're never going to fight for the rest of your life. But um, that's what he did. The right move was not to move. And that brought me to this verse, oddly enough. It brought me to Matthew 26. And I want, you, I want you guys to listen to the setting of what Matthew 26 was all about. Before Matthew 26, when you look back, Jesus was with his disciples, right? And he was in the Last Supper. He brought them all together. They were eating together. They were sharing. They were communicating, communion. And at that point, he said to them, he, he knew in his heart, and he, and he started opening up and showing them, guys, um, something's going to happen really soon. There's something that's coming. And he started opening up to them to something that was about to just start occurring. And it was his upcoming death. It was his, resur- it was his crucifixion. It was the suffering that he was going to have. And they didn't know that at the time. They were just enjoying their time with God. They were just eating supper. And he was trying little by little, inch by inch, just trying to say, man, something's coming up, guys. And this is the last time that we're going to be together. This is the last time we're going to eat. I'm not going to be eating and drinking with you anymore after this. And he kind of just wanted to, them to, I guess, sit and appreciate this moment and just start listening to him because this was a big moment. And so he starts sharing things, and they don't understand what he's sharing. After the supper, they go, and they go to, all the disciples go with, with him, and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. So the Garden of Gethsemane is up on the Mount of Olives. And the word Gethsemane, um, when you guys look into the word Gethsemane, it's, it means oil press. So they go to this garden of oil press. And it's where the olives were actually pressed. They were crushed to create olive oil. So the first thing we see here is that God's going to a place, a place of pressure. Okay, he's, he's being pressed. He's, there's a lot of things going on inside his heart at this moment. And the disciples are starting to catch up. There's, why? Because they're, as they're walking to the garden, he starts becoming distressed. And he starts feeling this sorrow, this pain. And this is one of the first, if not the first time, that we actually see Jesus being so torn up inside. Very torn. You know, we've seen him before where he's been, you know, he's seen, he's weeped, he's seen people and he's been touched by them. But this is the moment where he's actually being pressed like he's never done before. And it says, let's go here to, to uh, verse, after verse 36. No, let's go back to verse 36. It says, then when Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. So the first question I had to myself is, 
Why did he bring the disciples in the first place? Why, why did he bring them with him? And it was, and I, I came to the understanding that he, he brought these disciples to actually see what was going on with him. In, in Luke 22, it says that they were actually pretty close to him. They weren't very far. So everybody comes along, his, all, all his disciples come around, and he says, just wait here, sit here, okay, and I'm going to go pray. And he walks, just as it says in Luke, a stone throws away. So you throw a stone, he's not too far away, he's pretty close. He takes three of them with him, a little bit closer, but he keeps walking. And I come to the conclusion that he was doing this, as you guys are going to see, because he was trying to teach them something. He was trying to show them that there was a reason for this agony and this suffering that he was, and he wanted to portray that. It was a teachable moment to, to each and every disciple that was there. It was a very tense and critical point in his life. I want you guys to picture this. The very Jesus that at one point before he came to, before he came to earth was actually sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's the only person that could fully understand the depths of God's righteousness, the, the amazing glory of God, because he's the only one that has actually experienced that firsthand. Us, we're here and we walk in faith, but we've never actually been where Jesus has been. God himself coming down. And then at the same time, he knows the measure of his wrath. Sometimes we go through hard times. But have we fully experienced the wrath of God or do we even know what that means? So I want you guys to understand that Jesus is coming to this place and he not, he's not only hurting because it's a hard time he's going to go through. I think sometimes we downplay the death and the suffering of Jesus. But he knows exactly what's going to take place. He knows exactly how, how God is going to forsake him and that brings him to his knees. So... The first thing he tells his disciples is, sit. Sit here, and, and I'm going to go and pray. At this time, he's broken. And that's the first instruction I want to give you guys. Many times when we come, God calls us to move so many times in our lives. God calls us to go out, um, you know, to the nations and preach and all these things. But sometimes when there are circumstances in our lives, when there are issues, uh, when there are problems, situations, when there are decisions that we have to make, God doesn't tell us to just move. God tells us to stop, sit down. And we are the kinds of people naturally that we need to move, right? We just, we want to find the answers. We want to keep going and we won't stop. I'm like that. I, I'm like, like Regal said, I'm the kind of person that I have a one track mind. If I have something in my head, I won't stop, you know, to the to the uh, dismay of my wife because she, she's like, dude, you're, you're, you're just too much. You got to stop for a second. And she tells me that. Just, recent, just recently she told me, stop. You're, you just keep going. And that's what God is asking from us first. He's saying, first, stop. And God was the perfect example of that. He actually took them and said, stop. I'm going to stop over here and pray. You guys do the same. So that's what we see. You know, sometimes I feel like we need to hear this. We don't hear this enough. Stop. Stop. Don't go forward. Don't move on. Okay, don't, don't, you, don't uh, try to move because you're trying to meet your basic human needs of finding significance. 
Human basic needs of finding meaning in our lives, purpose, because that's, that's our nature. We want to find that. I want to take you guys real quick, keep your finger on Matthew 26, because I want to relate this. And I'm going to take you guys to Exodus. If you want to do it, you can go Exodus 1, uh, 17, 1 through 2. Exodus 17, 1 through 2. Um, in Exodus 17, 1, right now we're, we're going, and this is kind of like a parenthesis I'm going to put in here, because I want you guys to see what the people of God have experienced that's so similar to us stopping in places. In Exodus 17, you have Moses with, the, uh, with, the, with Israel, you know, the, the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. And they've been walking and, they've been, and, and they have left this land that even though they were suffer, suffering, they had been provided by in some way. And, and Moses takes them to this place called, right, let me see if I say this right, Rephidim. I believe that's how you say it. The, the people re, um, approach this place called Rephidim, and the name, the meaning of, the, of that place, Rephidim, is, means rest. This is the ironic thing about this place, that although they went there and it's, it seems to be a place of rest, it actually wasn't a place of rest. Let's, let's read. Exodus 17, 1, 2. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of Sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. Okay, so wait a second. God is taking me to a place of rest, but the place that I'm supposed to rest doesn't provide? The place that I'm supposed to rest isn't offering me what I need? What do you mean? Why would I go somewhere to rest? Why would I go somewhere to rest when, God, you're supposed to be providing the need? You're supposed to be doing something about this, not giving me more to worry about. Weird the way God works. He takes you to a dry and uncomfortable place to find your comfort. And this is Jesus coming to a, an uncomfortable point in his life. He's broken. He's sorrowful. He's struggling with the upcoming death and the, and the, and the experience that he's going to have to have. And God is saying stop to everybody. He wants everyone to focus on Jesus. Look what he's doing. Guys, what I want to tell you is we are going to feel so many times uncomfortable in our lives. We're going to not find rest, even though we feel we should be finding that rest in Jesus. But God is saying stop. Stop creating your own understanding of your situations because you have anxieties, because you have worries, uh, because, you know, you want to make some kind of reasoning. So, so many times we don't stop or we have this struggle because we're insecure individuals. What do we do for our insecurities nowadays? We might dress nicer. We might buy something. We might make some money because we want to fill our insecurities with things that make us feel better. But God's not asking that from us. He's saying, stop. Stop creating your own ideas. Stop creating your own religion. Stop creating your own justice. Stop. Sit down and be attentive. You know, sometimes we even use positive thinking. You know, we'll be like, well, if I just think positively, you know, things, at least my frame of mind will help me feel better. That's not God's answer for you. It's not to think better about your situation. 
See, again, you're going back to how I can do this. God's saying, stop for a moment. You know, another, another uh, something else that we use many times, and I want to clarify this. Have you ever stuck your foot in your mouth? I know I've done this, and I actually did it recently. I'm going to tell you about it. Where you're saying, God said, you say, God told me this. Be very careful about what, what you're saying God tells you. Or God, God wants me to. God told me. God said this. You know, how, how, the first question I want to ask you is, before you start saying God said something, how much time have you actually stopped to hear what he's saying? How many times have we actually stopped before God and say, what do you want, God? How do we do that? How do we do that? There is a faith that God asks of us that says, I have faith that God can do this. So when we approach situations, we say, God can. I believe God can. I believe God can do anything. And, but there's a very different situation where we, where we find our sayings, God will do this. Where is that? Let me give you an example. Just recently, and, and my, my family knows about this, I've been putting up, I, I put up a fence. And um, I, I, I put in a permit for it. I don't know if anybody knows about that. I didn't know about it, but I tried to educate myself. I put a permit in. I built a fence with some help. And, but the problem is the permit hadn't come back yet. Anybody know about that? <laughs> well, it's, it got even worse. So I'm thinking, oh, dude, I put the permit in. It's not, there's not going to be a problem. I studied everything before I did it. I knew exactly where my property line is. When we put up the fence, it looked beautiful. Everybody, my family would come over. Oh, man, that's a fence, man. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. I'm like, oh, thanks, thanks. I'd never done that before. But uh, so, so I put up this fence, and then all of a sudden, problems strike. My neighbor, God bless my neighbor. I, I have, um, no, God pray for me with my neighbor. I've never had issues with a neighbor or somebody in my, you know, like that in my life. And nor did I want. But he didn't like what I was doing, despite the fact that it was on my property. Shh, relax. Okay. So he didn't like it. And apparently, there is something called an easement. An easement is where, is an area that you're not really supposed to build because there's some kind of water main or water line. Okay, so technically, I wasn't supposed to put it where I put it. Even though it was on my property, I wasn't put, supposed to put it there. So he called code enforcement on me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Karate kid right there. And uh, so, so he calls code enforcement on me, and I'm like, and I didn't know what was going on. The code enforcement comes over, to, and I'm building where I'm, by the way, I finished the whole fence. Okay, the only thing I didn't do was the pickets. Cemented down to scale perfect. Code enforcement comes, and I think it's the people that are doing the, the permitting. The, what do you call those people? I don't even know. To look at everything, to say, oh, it looks good, whatever. Okay, you can keep going. I was like, fine. And so they, when they come, it's two guys, two big guys. And they come to me, and they go, hey, hey, you have a permit for this? I'm like, oh, you guys are here finally. Thank God, dude. I've been, I started this a long time ago. You guys never. It was crazy. So... So I didn't know who they were. I just saw they were city. So, so and finally, my neighbor tells me, dude, they called code enforcement on you. And they said, you have to take this fence down. It's not right. I'm like, what? And I, I got really upset. I was like, what do you mean I 
guy take this fence down? This is my property, bro. What the? And I got ghetto right there. That's when I started getting like, what? And I'm not ghetto. I'm not ghetto at all. But, uh, and they were big, but I swear I can take them down. I'll take them both, bro. You know, who, who wants first? So, so whatever. So I said, they, they told me to take it down, and then they started getting nice, and they told me, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. They told me, listen, this is what you might be able to do. So I'm going, and I, I meet with the this chief engineer. I take it all the way to the city manager. I started writing notes to the commissioner. This is wrong. They got to take it. And then I started making excuses. My, you know, not excuses. They were serious to me, but... I start making things, you know, like, my daughter's protection, you know, she's going to die if, if I don't make this fence. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> you know? But I'm trying to justify something that initially I did wrong. And you know what I start telling myself? God's giving me this fence. God told me that this fence was mine. So don't tell me that, that you can't, I can't keep this fence because the truth is God told me. God, when did God tell me? Never. In fact, I actually started the fence before legally I should have started it. So who was in the wrong? I was. Because God's not going to be like, okay, don't worry about it. You did it illegally, but I'll be behind you, bro. I'll give it to you. Don't worry about it, bro. You're good. So that's not, that's, you know, sometimes we go outside of God and we start making excuses to why this is God. But that's not the truth. And I've had to come to my, and I told my family, they're sitting there, God's going to give me this. I told them, God's going to give me this. Before then, right now, I had to be humbled because I said, God didn't tell me this. I believe. Now, if I would have said, I believe God can give me this, then we're talking a different story because God can give me something. But what testimony am I giving to others who Maybe, maybe, they don't, maybe they don't know. You guys, what testimony are you giving to people out there when you're saying things ahead of God, ahead of God's timing? Let's not get ahead of that. Instead, if God is moving your life in a certain area, have faith, and God calls you to have that faith. But don't get ahead of God. Don't say something that God is doing when he hasn't told you. And then we have this excuse. Okay, we have to stop. But, but how long do I have to stop? How long do I have to wait? Let me ask you this question. How long have you waited? How long have you really waited? Because I swore that I've been waiting and I was walking in faith, right? I was walking in faith and I'm going to wait on God, but he's going to give it to me and I'm, I'm doing all these things. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's move in faith, but let's wait on God, right? So, so, he's saying, so the truth is you have to ask yourself this question. Really, how long have you actually stopped and sat down? Because to me, I wasn't sitting. I kept going. I kept going until I found my answer. Eh, wrong, right? Let's go. Well, I'm going to go real quick as a reference. I want to read this to you because this has very much to do with what I'm saying. Deuteronomy 31.8. Why don't we all turn there? Let me hear some pages. Let me hear some amens. Amen, amen, amen. 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 Oh, my gosh. Come on. Amen. Amen. All right. Jeez. Deuteronomy 31.8. All right. So it says, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. Now, this is Moses speaking with uh, Joshua. 
Um, he's talking about how Joshua was going to take the people of Israel into the, into the promised land. Okay? And he says, and it's very, it says, and the Lord, Moses speaking to Joshua, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Amen. Right? It's, it's not something that we have to keep trying for. God already told us that he's got it. But stop. Don't be dismayed. Don't, don't freak out. Don't let your anxieties get the most of you. Don't create your realities. Don't establish, establish your own religion by, by saying things that aren't, according to the word of God, aren't accurate. He's saying, stop. I got you, man. I'm right, beh- I'm right ahead of you on this. That's the hardest thing we have to do, amen? Isn't that the hardest thing we have to do is stop? Amen. The next thing that, that Jesus did in his time of need, let's go to, back to Matthew 26, and I, and I know you guys uh, put your finger there so you didn't go anywhere. It says Matthew 26, 40. Uh, let me just start in 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. We spoke about that. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Watch there means to be awake, to be alert. And that's what God is asking. He's asking us to be alert. But let's move on. He went a little further off, as I had said, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, this is where I want to focus. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said, Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So the first thing that came to my mind is saying, okay, God is asking him not just to stop, but now he's saying, now pray. So stop before me. Stop doing all your things, and now you have some time to actually seek me. Stop and communicate with me. Stop and connect. Let's be connected to God. When we're praying to God, are we just saying the same things over and over? Because if you come up to me, dude, and every time you say the same thing, I'm going to be like, dude, I can't. Sorry. You know, let's talk. Can we, can we understand each other? Can we get to know each other? And that's what God is asking when you guys are praying with him. Speak to him. Communicate. Just like you would a close relative. Just like you would a close friend. And it's funny, but... If you look in Luke as he's asking to communicate, we understand that there's more to this. He's saying, speak to me. And he says that the temptation doesn't get you, that you don't fall into temptation. What temptation is God talking about? What was he thinking about? I mean, they're just sitting there praying. What temptation? That got me to think. I said, "What, what, what could that be? Now, let's look. Let's look at the temptations that we're talking about. Luke 22, 49 and 51. You know, it's funny. I wasn't going to go to these verses, but they're very relevant. Um, let's go there real quick. Luke 22, 49 through 51. Let me put my paper here. I feel like I have to say everything here on the, on the mic. I don't have to talk everything on the mic, but I'm doing it. Luke 22, 49. Here we go. Sorry, I didn't mark these. Here it is. It says, when those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. That's Peter. 
So what was, what was the temptation that God was, asking, was talking about when he said, stop, you guys, you're gonna, you need to stop because you're going to fall into temptation. He's saying, you guys are going to take matters into your own hands. If you don't stop and pray, you guys are going to do something that I didn't call you to do. I'm saying stop, pray. And when you pray, God comes and he guides us. God comes before us and he shows us the way. But the first thing, and he said it to Peter, Paul, uh, he said it to John, James, and Peter and his disciples. Stop and pray that you may not fall into temptations. Let's not take these matters into our own hands. Peter came, oh, you think you're going to take Jesus? All right. And he, and he cut the guy's ear off. No, dude. Jesus said, what are you doing? Relax. Oh, my God. Here. Sorry about that. He doesn't know what the heck he's doing. I told him to stop and not be tempted, but he kind of just went at it on his own will. Please forgive him. <laughs> your ear is good now. Don't worry about it. He's saying, don't take matters into your own hands. What else? Well, let's, let's just think about this. Why would he be tempted? Think about this, guys. The, the, the disciples were distraught. They heard Jesus crying. They heard him being crushed, screaming out to God, saying, God, I need you. He was distraught, completely done. And the disciples couldn't even stay up because they saw how much he was in pain, that they were exceedingly sorrowful so much that they couldn't even stay up. They, were, they dropped from so much sorrow. They had dropped and fa fallen asleep three times. Because they were so upset by what they saw from Jesus. And Jesus is saying, dude, sometimes you guys won't have the strength. But if you just look at me and let me be that lead example. If you just look at me and wait, dude, you're going to know exactly how to do this. But they didn't. They fell asleep. And the first thing you see is Paul, uh, Peter, already coming out, coming out of the Garden of the Gethsemane. They already, the people start coming to him uh, the soldiers and, and the elders come to him to, to arrest Jesus. And the first thing that Jesus does, that Peter does, is cut the gear, uh, guy's ear off. Stop. What else would happen? Imagine if they didn't, if us as human individuals, when we see things that we don't think should be the certain way, we start losing faith in God. So wait a second, dude. This is God, Jesus. He was supposed to be the Messiah. What do you mean he's supposed to, like, be sacrificed and, like, be beaten And, and he's just not going to do anything about that? Wait a second. This is not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to have a king. We're supposed to have a king who rules. And imagine, they start doubting. Well, maybe he wasn't God after all. Maybe, maybe Jesus really wasn't the Messiah. Why would this just happen to him? Why would he allow this? This doesn't seem right. Why, didn't, why wouldn't he talk, show everybody, I am God? And he shines, like this light shines in front of everybody. And was like, oh, my God, it's true. And then everybody believes. Why wouldn't he just make everybody believe? They start doubting. Turning away. Didn't we see that? Again, with the same individual that was over there, Peter. After, after he was crucified, they scattered, just like Jesus said. You guys are all going to scatter. You're all going to leave me. You're all going to forsake me. Everybody is. And that's exactly what happened. And then the rooster crows three times after Jesus didn't, after, I keep getting that mixed up, Peter, Peter, Peter. After Peter denies Jesus three times. Guys, we have to make sure that we are connected with God because the temptations that we face daily in life is to turn away. The, the temptations we face in life is to doubt. Isn't that what Satan wants in our lives? 
to doubt him, to doubt Jesus, to doubt the power of God, to doubt that, you know, oh, wait, maybe Jesus didn't tell me that, dude. But, and then bring confusion. That's exactly where the devil wants you, to be confused, to take things into your own hands. Everything that God was trying to tell these people to do for the reasons of sticking to him, keeping their eyes on him, staying awake, sitting down, stay awake, look at me, look what I'm doing, do the same. Amen? You know, even when we're connected with God and we have that communion with God, uh, we still may not know what his plans are. And that happens to me all the time. We don't know how he's going to work things out in our lives. It, we don't. But the difference is, is we're going to be ready to receive his instruction. Amen? We're going to be ready to receive what he wants to do in our lives. And the last thing, and which is going to take me to, to point number three, is we're going to be ready to receive the spiritual. And that right there is huge, guys. And I want to spend time with that. The next thing that, that we should do as individuals, you won't necessarily see it in the story, but what's the, what, what I think of when I'm praying to God is if I just keep speaking and, and then I just say, okay, great, that was a great prayer uh, time with God. Let me just go now and, and keep doing what I'm doing. God's, God's asking you to listen. God's asking each and every one of us to listen because this is where the Spirit of God moves. See, when we seek God, we seek Him, and as we seek Him, there's something supernatural that goes on in our lives, in our hearts, in our souls, in our very being. Something happens. It's a transformation. And you know what? We can't explain it. We don't know how it happens. But I know one thing, that after or while we're praying, there's a moment that as we listen, our spiritual ears open up. Our spiritual eyes open up. We see things that we wouldn't have seen before, that we couldn't have understood before, but now we actually do. I'm the best person here at preparing an argument for something that, let's say I have a discussion with somebody or, or I'm having some kind of difference, um, or even towards God. Uh, preparing an argument in defense to justify my actions. Anybody here with me that does that? I'm good at that. I studied psychology, so, you know, it doesn't mean anything, but I studied psychology, and I'm a very observant, you know, I'm constantly thinking, 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 when issues come my way. And the way I think is I start thinking of, it's like a chess game. Oh, wait a second, but if that happens, then I can do this, then I can say this. And I start finding ways in my life to justify my actions. I know how to manipulate. I know how to manip manipulate words to make them sound correct. Anybody here like that? I do this all the time. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you want to, that's great. That's me. Praise God. When you open your ears to God, you're going to be able to grasp the spiritual and let go of those manipulations. Let go of those things in your life that try to find your way to the answer. When you can stop and listen, you're, you grasp the spiritual because God, through your prayers, is going to speak to you. How does that happen? I have no idea. But I know one thing. When I stop and I pray to God, God speaks to me. Then you're going to understand certain things when God speaks to you. You know, sometimes we, we, we just kind of live and we do things. But God's going to open us up to why he does things. Well, why do we come together? Why is it important for us to come together and congregate? That's something spiritual you're talking about. 
If we talk about the importance of church, if we speak about the importance of congregating, you're not going to get it until God speaks to you. Until you come to God in prayer and he speaks that word to you spiritually. Until we come to church on Sundays and we open up our ears and stop arguing every word that Regal or anybody up here preaches. Defending ourselves. Oh, well, that's not really for me because it's kind of different. Come on. What do you mean it's kind of different? No, it's not. It's the same. Let's humble ourselves right there and receive that word. You're going to get the importance of worship. What does it mean to worship? I, nobody here can tell you how or why we need to worship. But if, God, if you don't want to give God the opportunity to speak to you so you can hear his word and what the importance of worship is, you're not going to get it. You're not, we're going to be singing up here, and you're going to be up there, and you're going to be thinking, well, I don't really want to, I don't want to jump. I don't want to jump too much because it's kind of weird. Nobody else is doing it. You go to a concert and you see everybody going. You're like, ah, you know, you're like jumping higher than them. You want to actually get on top of people's shoulders. Get me up there, dude. I want to see like the band. But here you're waiting. Who's going to do it, bro? Okay, I'll do it a little bit. If he starts going, I'll go, you know. <laughs> Clap my hands. Okay, but if the people, let's not wait on other people. Let's wait on God to speak to us. If he's tugging at your heart, you know what you need to do. Stop fighting against God. He's telling you what you need to do. Just move. Now, now I'm saying move. But why am I saying move? Because you actually first stopped, you prayed, and now you listened. And now you move. Amen? You're going to understand the, 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 the importance of prayer and serving others. I've said this before, and I know you guys are with me. I'm the most selfish individual. Actually, I, met, I actually met somebody more selfish than me recently, and that's my next-door neighbor. That was, that was led in the spirit. I didn't have that planned. I'm just kidding. No, I didn't have it planned, but it just came out. It must be from God. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But then you're going to stop going around beating the wind. When we listen, you stop going beating the wind. I want to take you to that verse. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 9. If you don't know where 1 Corinthians is, it's, it's before 2 Corinthians. First <laughs> uh, Corinthians 9. And uh, we get there. 1 Corinthians 9, 26 through 27. Let me just start in 24. Why not? Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who complete, competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an unperishable crown. Therefore, 26, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached the, to others, I myself should become disqualified. Wow. Wow. Are you, this is beautiful. Because he's saying, stop going out there and finding the answers. You just look stupid just trying to, you know, fight this life on your own. 
And, and the, the thing that, that calls out to me, it says, he disciplines his body. He brings it into subjection. That's what we're saying. Stop. Bring your life under God. Bring your life into subjection to the truth of the word of God, to the spirit of God. Give yourself an opportunity to experience that if you haven't already. And that's what the word is saying. And then it says, lest I have preached to others. So this pur- the purpose of this life isn't just that we go and we speak out because we can, we can know the word perfectly and act like we're living this life correctly. But he's saying, I myself, what, um, lest um, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified because you're not doing it right. You're saying how to do it right, but you're not doing it right. Amen? That's what he's saying. See, this world, this world doesn't know what it wants. This world is hungry. And they don't even know what they're hungry for. The, the world that we live in, everybody, guys, man, social media. I don't, I don't do a lot of social media. I have Facebook. That's it. You ask me to do Twitter, you ask me, I don't even know the names. I can't even say the names. That's, that's how uncool I am. But I don't know that. If you, if you take me to, uh, what is Snap? Snapchat. If you take me to Snapchat, I didn't, I'll look at it. I'll be like, what is this for? But there's so much information out there. There's so many things that people are looking for. They're so hungry and thirsty. And all we see nowadays, and you know what? Thank God we see it more clearly than ever. Because before, let's say in the 80s or whatever, before all this stuff came out, you know, you would share this preaching and people will be like, yeah, people are hungry. People are thirsty. Man, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I guess they are. But with all the information that's brought with, to us today, in this day and age, we actually see it. Like, we actually see the thirst and hunger people have and what it takes them to do. It's, and you're like, wow, this world really is screwed up. It opens your eyes. It's opened my eyes. And that's what, and, and that's what this verse is saying. Dude, everybody else in this world, when they don't have God, they're beating the wind. They're trying to find something, and they are constantly tired. They're never satisfied. They keep going, and they keep trying, but they never find the answer. What is the answer to this unquenchable thirst that we seek for? What is it? The problem is, the problem is, is that this thirst that we have isn't physical. It's not physical. We deny the presence of the spiritual in our lives. We deny the reality of a spiritual, you know, something spiritual in life. Because all we see is the physical. And that's the first thing we're drawn to. That's the first thing this world is drawn to. But you're talking about worldly wisdom. World, the world's wisdom says, dude, something needs to satisfy it. We don't know what it is. We can't even answer you that question. How am I going to obtain it? But there's something. But they don't account for the spiritual. Guys, if we can't say that there's a spiritual aspect to our lives, we are never going to be satisfied and we're never going to find God. And we're always going to be searching. And we're, you know what? Some of us, if we don't seek God, we're going to find the answer in something else. We will find the answer in something else, but we will be wrong. We're not satisfied with the physical because this life is spiritual. I'm done. If we, let's all stand here. Guys, I, I, I feel that there's, God is calling us for a moment um, to stop what we're doing. Stop even though we've tried to do things on our own. Stop even though we, we're saying, well, we heard God, but he hasn't spoken to us yet because that's not right. That's not the truth. 
The truth is, God is trying to speak to you, but you're making too much noise. You're not sitting down. You're not praying. You're not spending time with God. As, as we start thinking, you know, as we start maybe spending some time with, with worship and, and maybe sing some songs to praise God, I just want to use a little time right now. I just want to use just a moment of our time for you guys to communicate with God. Whatever that issue, whatever that situation, whatever is going on in your life that has caused you to not stop, pray, and then listen and allow the spiritual to enter your heart, to allow God to speak to you and show you mysteries that, or, or questions that you never could answer before, let's do that. Let's speak to God. Let's give him a moment. As, uh, as Pastor Rigo comes up here, and if he wants to say a little something, I just want to give you guys an opportunity to speak to God. Amen? As we worship God, Lord, I just want to thank you, Father God, because I know that your word comes forth, Lord, and it's like a double-edged sword, Father. Lord, it goes into the deepest parts of us. It reveals things in our lives, Lord, that we need to hear. And Father, I pray right now that this word, that you've called us to not just move in every situation, but to stop, to pray, and to listen to you, and be able to hear the spiritual in our lives be able to experience you in a beautiful and powerful way father that we would identify those things in our lives that have done that that we would identify those those points in our lives that we keep moving and using the word of god in an incorrect manner because we have these desires that we need to meet we have these anxieties that we can't handle allow us to stop and give you those anxieties lord that as we pray and as we listen, we can hear your voice, your still small voice in our heart, guiding us and going before us.